know, is there a, a unifying pole in that tent the way that, you know, coin was for the last 10 years or digitization uh, was in the 90s or, you know, Airland Battle and uh, the Big Five were, is there something that, you know, you can say across the Army, you know, hey, this is the big effort that the nation is backing with big resources or at least significant resources, as opposed to, you know, hey, we're the Army and we do a lot of different stuff and we kind of make do with, uh, with, with whatever, whatever we have left over after, after the Iraq and Afghanistan reset. Yeah, I, I think the way I'd answer this, Sydney, is our, our current Army modernization priority that we've worked for the last couple of years is, is still there, and that is the whole idea of Mission Command. And I think Mission Command um, is the single unifying factor in terms of providing all of our leaders and soldiers and their formations um, with, with the ability to do this variety of mission sets that we may call on them to do, whether it be combined arms maneuver set, mission set, or wide area security mission set. And our leader development programs and our professional military education and our combat training centers will very much focus on the art of mission command. And that translates on the materiel side to things like Win T, for example. I guess in terms of sort of trying to trying to put a piece of hardware to that, even though you emphasized hardware is not the be all and end all. Yeah, I I, I wouldn't use it um, material side, Sydney. I I would say the network because the network has hardware components to it, as you know. I mean, the network also has the cyber challenge to it. Uh, the network has a leader development challenge to it because you have to fight the networks. Something we've we've not done before. We have to, to learn how to use and fight and employ the network um, almost as we would other weapon systems. So I, it's, it's more than just the hardware. Um, how is our doctrine going to change as a result of a network? What's the impact of the network on each of our warfighting functions? Uh, what organizational changes or adjustments are we going to make in order to take get the most out of our network, it's, et cetera, et cetera. So it's I, I do think it's fair to say it's it's beyond that, and we can't just take an equipment approach to it. Thank you, General. And I know you had um, a previous engage, uh, another engagement because it's um, 2:35 now. Were there any um, closing statements you'd like to make? Let, let me to go ahead and take one more question, then I'll close out because I'm looking at oh. my notes here, and I don't think Gail or Gary got to ask a question. Yes, sir. Oh, not a problem at all. Um, Gail, did you have a question? Yes, I did. Thank you, General. Uh, my question concerns uh, lessons that you learned perhaps in your intelligence support and during the last 10 years and how you're factoring in your new organization and training, like, for instance, the sensor to shooter, the amount of information, information sharing with coalition, uh, the lack of uh, intelligence personnel that had an uh, expertise in uh, the social, political, economic environment of uh, Afghanistan and Iraq. Okay, um, I'm going to try to give you a a briefer answer than I than I did before, so that I can um, try to get a short short question from Gary. Um, the biggest lessons I'll just give you my my personal thoughts. The biggest innovations that we had um, in the war, I, I believe, are our our counter-IED efforts and, and jammers for the lives that they saved, 
and our aerial intelligence and surveillance operations, not only the sensors but the unmanned aerial sensors and, in fact, manned platforms that operate those sensors. So the business about reconnaissance and surveillance and that those sensors and platforms that are involved in reconnaissance and surveillance operations is absolutely huge. And you know what? Those things are part of the network. They're part of the network that we're going to. So um, whether it be combined arms maneuver, wide area security operations, um, the, the collection of, of information from reconnaissance and surveillance operations, the translation of that information into intelligence so that we can act on that intelligence um, is huge, and that will be foremost in any formation's preparation um, through the R4Gen cycle. Um, and it's, again, it's not just material. It's adjusting our doctrine, organization, training, leader development, uh, everything. Um, Gary, can I get a short one from you so I don't leave anybody out? Yes, sir. Thank you. Gary Sheptic, our news. B believe you said that the, the Army needs to send more NCOs and officers to training centers and schools to serve as instructors and understand some of those may replace contractors. I'm wondering if you could quantify, are we talking 500, 1,000, 2,000 NCOs? And, and what would be the timeline to move those to the institutional Army? Okay, the, the shorter answer is, uh, Gary, I don't know yet. We, we are working on it. In, our, in our, our broader effort to look at what does the Army of 2020 look like, um, and when we think about what personnel policies do we need to do to invest in our soldiers and leaders, one of the things we're looking at is where can mid-grade leaders, you know, captains, senior non-commissioned officers, um, where, where can they, um, where else can they go in the force where they haven't been able to go over the last 10 years and we've really missed them? And one of the examples is, is to be instructors in our schoolhouses. There's other parts of our institutional army, though, that you're, you're well aware of. I mean, we've got our, um, our, uh, our entire acquisition corps, um, our folks in our Army test community, our folks in our major headquarters, our folks in our combat training centers, our folks in, um, in our Army Service Component Command headquarters that are regionally forward deployed throughout the world, um, our training base, whether it be uh, recruiting or uh, basic training or in our schoolhouses, mm -hmm. uh, professional military instructions. So I, I gave... I gave an example. I think that is part of the answer. I don't know the numbers yet, but the Army is going to be analyzing this, analyzing this, that particular question, um, in, in a great amount of detail, and um, and we'll come up with what we think is the best answer. But I'm sorry, I don't have a number yet, and I and I can't tell you when we're going to have the number. But we are looking at the options. Thank you, sir. So, in in summary, and um. Uh, I really appreciate the time uh, to talk to you. So, uh, you know, what, what I wanted to try to do is, um, and we haven't really talked about before, is what does our Army investment strategy mean? And again, it's not about additional money. It's all about readiness. How do we take our new environment into account? How do we improve the way we invest in the 
in the resources that we have in a way that we invest in our soldiers. And we believe that it's about Army modernization, and modernization is more than just new equipment. Modernization is about what we do to adjust our doctrine, our organization, our training, leader development, our people, and the facilities that support all the above. And yeah, we still have material, and we, we've learned a lot of hard lessons about how we do material smarter, and we are implementing those. But it's about taking a broader approach, and we're, we're, um, we're doing that. So thank you all very, very much. Thank you so much, sir, for taking time out for us, and thank you to everyone again for your great questions and participation. Uh, before we end the call, I just wanted to invite everyone to visit um, www.army.mil forward slash professional to watch uh, many of the panels and presentations with our Army senior leaders um, going on at AUSA. And you can all also follow the Twitter hashtag, um, pound sign AUSA 2012. Thank you okay. again, and this ends our roundtable.